Worship team, calling all worship team members. Good morning. Worship team, worship team. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to First Baptist Church. We are so glad that you have joined us today on this wonderful May morning. And we are here to praise the Lord. Amen? So please stand with us, whether you're at home watching. If you can, if you're here, please stand with us and let's play, praise the Lord together. In just one second, hang on, sorry.
trusting him because we live in a crazy world. If you're not trusting the Lord, you're in big trouble, my friend. Uh, speaking of trouble, I thought we were going to have it. We started coming over the bridge and everything was stopped and backed up and all these crazy people, some of you out there running, walking, riding bikes, pushing strollers and taking selfies every step, every other step. <laughs> 10 million selfies were taken today on the bridge. I remember, it, it made me remember, uh, they always have these things on Sundays, so I never could participate back in the day when I did run. Yes, I could actually run back in the day. And so my music director and I came over to Coronado, and we ran 
across the bridge, and when everybody else went left into San Diego, we went right to the trolley and got the trolley and went back home <laughs> and went to church. But we got to run over the, the bridge anyhow. So I'm sure some people are still there. Maybe some are still detained. But uh, let's just thank the Lord for the day he's given to us, the opportunity to worship his holy name. Our Father, we bow before you, God, and that's, a, that's one of the neat titles that we have of you being our Father, our Heavenly Father. And Lord, you're perfect. You're more perfect than any father on this earth, than all the fathers put together on this earth. You are the one who allows us to be born into your family, grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. So, Father, we pray that you would help us to trust him and to trust him more. May our faith grow exponentially as we trust him. Father, we remember uh, several of our people that need prayers, but in particular this morning, I, I lift up Armida Medina, pray that you would touch her and heal her and help her to be able to be back in church and back doing the things that she wants and needs to be doing. I pray also for Billy Falling, probably watching by way of live streaming right now. I pray, God, that you would bless him mightily and that you would raise him up according to thy perfect will. Lord, we thank you that we're able to be here today and pray your richest blessings upon us. And we ask it all in the name of Christ, our Savior. Amen. Thank you. you. May be seated. If you are a guest here at First Baptist Church, please do us a favor. Grab one of these connection cards in front of you in the seat backs and fill that out. Give it to us or turn it in the box in the back by the double doors where our members put their tithes and offerings in. Go ahead and put that in. I've got several things here uh, that I want to share with you. First of all, we have some uh, voter guides. If you're, We're voting again by mail. Uh, so uh, this will give you some ideas of where candidates stand, stand on issues. It's not telling you who to vote for, although I gladly will tell you that later if you ask me. Uh, I, I'm, I'm serious. <laughs> but anyway, uh, go ahead. You, you can go and find out where people stand on issues. Pick those up in the back. And then also uh, Nick Ives has a friend who has produced, if I got this right, has produced a, lot, um, a film on the matter of life. This idea of abortion, of course, has been nonstop in the news ever since the leak uh, that was made about the uh, Roe v. Wade ruling. Um, it's called A Matter of Life, and it's showing for two days only in uh, theaters uh, Monday and Tuesday of this week at 7 p.m. And there's a list of the theaters that is showing in on the back table right by the sound booth if you would like to pick those up. And uh, Nick wrote this, A Matter of Life is an award-winning documentary, documentary movie about abortion directed by local documentary, documentary filmmaker, a Christian who had never really given the ethics of abortion much thought until she saw images of the aftermath of abortion and finally understood the truth. When considering the ramifications of abortion in our nation, we must remember that real people are affected. The Matter of Life features powerful stories from women, former abortion clinic workers, historians, religious workers, pro-life atheists, and many more. In the film, we hear from the experts and learn about the history, philosophy, morality, and impact of abortion. The film stresses that we must enter into this conversation, and please understand this, enter into this conversation with people with love, understanding, and support. Doing so is critical to saving the lives of unborn and to care for the women who carry them. Um, praying 
are playing in San Diego two nights only, and there's several AMC and Regal theaters that are listed, so pick that up if you're able to go see that. That would be a good thing. What, a, what an incredible time um, we live in to be able to see perhaps Roe v. Wade reversed and overturned. Uh, that would be a great thing. It's been the law of the land for uh, over 50 years. Rachel, you have something you want to share with people. So as you come right now, oh, let's go ahead and show the pro-life video as she is coming. And uh, we'll, this, this will This is the battleground you. culture issue in America today. How is it that we can trust an organization for whom abortion is such an important part of their business model to simultaneously effectively prevent pregnancy and prevent abortion? The problem in America today is that people simply change the topic. The key to successfully talking about abortion is to try to bring the conversation back to one key question. When you're an obstetrician gynecologist and you're pro-choice, you have to decide whether you're actually going to do those abortions. I felt this fierce protectiveness just like rise up inside me because I knew the way that the world was gonna see him. I believe that being pro-life is the most progressive value that we can have. The abortion industry is most threatened by Christians engaging in pro-life work. Finding that pregnancy center was the only person I had to support me at that time. We need to show the world that number one on our list is our interest in serving these moms. She's got to know when she takes that pregnancy test that her church is not going to try to treat her like the Pharisees tried to treat the woman caught in adultery. As a church, we can't just vote pro-life. We have to be pro-love. Be sure to pick up that information and go see the film. Okay, good morning. I am just wanting to announce that we have the most awesome privilege, Live Love Foundation of Salvation is going to be directing the Awana program here in Coronado starting in the fall. So I am so excited about that. <laughs> Speaking of kids, um, children, they are precious in the Lord's sight and they are the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So we have to pour into our kids and we can't do that unless we come to the Lord ourselves. So that's the first thing. So I'm so excited. Um, if you do not know what, does, raise your hand if you know what Awana is. Okay, I'm so excited, okay. All right, raise your hand if you know what the word Awana stands for. Okay, lesson 101. It stands for approved workers are not ashamed. Okay, so basically this program is teaching the kids kindergarten through senior year here in Coronado, um, uh, di discipleship training in God's word. And he says in his word to hide his word in our heart that we might not sin against him. And we will teach the kids about him. We will teach the kids about their creator. We will teach the kids about how much they are loved and why he had to send Jesus Christ, why he gave his life for us. Um, so I just wanted to introduce that to you guys today. So we just finished our season just recently. And so the next season starts September 14th. And it goes every Wednesday through the whole year from 6 to 730 on Wednesday nights. It's not going to be here 
Um, but this is for all the churches, for all the community in, the, in, the, in Coronado, and to, it's going to be at Grand Memorial Presbyterian. Just want to let you guys know. And we have sign-up sheets right here. Um, if you are interested, we will get in touch with you. Also, real quick, we need, okay, so there's been a shortage. Well, they're only allowed to have a certain number of kids since COVID. So COVID's over. I know they're trying to keep it coming back. So we want to, so we are going to open up the floodgates for all the kids. So as many kids wants to come and learn about God and their creator and study the word of God and be discipled in his word, that's as many leaders as we'll need. So I thought about the navigators, oh my goodness, and, and the men that we have in this church. Um, we need men to help serve over there. That would be awesome, and I would be so privileged. We have about 20 leaders, volunteers right now. I need about maybe 20 more would be amazing, and then we would have an overflow. So thank you guys in advance. Appreciate it. I'm excited. Amen. All right. Let's stand and continue to worship the Lord.
Thank you, praise team, so much. And you may be seated. All the young kids, come on up here. First Baptist kiddos, girls and boys. Yes. Oh, yes. Military will be having a meal next door after the services. Absolutely. And you know what? I didn't make the rest of the announcements, did I? So uh, check the bulletin for all those announcements. And welcome Facebook and YouTube. And middle school meets today, right? Middle school meets in the patio in just a few minutes. And check out our bulletin. For, hey, read the bulletin article. It's kind of an interesting one. I didn't write it, but I thought it was so impressive. I wanted to include it so you would see it. Next Sunday is Graduate Sunday. If you're going to be graduating from high school or college, please let us know. And uh, we would like to recognize you up here and then be preaching on Jehovah Shammah. Uh, and then uh, I did mention the voter guides and the Awana announcements, so we're good to go on that. Okay, and moms and dads and those that are adults here, Psalm 23, verse 1, if you turn there. But while they're turning there, boys and girls, how many of you have ever seen a real live lamb? Okay, how many of you seen a sheep? How many of you seen lambs and sheep? How many say they're the same thing? Preacher, what's the matter with you, huh? All right, good. Well, we've got a little story we want you to watch. So look at the screen right up here. Everybody look behind us and go ahead and show that story. Sheep. This is Jesus, Hey-o. who is the Son of God and the Savior of the world. While Jesus was on earth, he taught everyone about God's love. He healed many people from their sickness performed many miracles like calming storms and even raised people from the dead. (laughs) Jesus taught everyone about God's love. All kinds of people would come to hear Jesus speak, including tax collectors and people who made bad choices. This made the Pharisees and Jewish leaders mad. Ah, yuck. They didn't think that Jesus should be around these kind of people. Hmm. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he's found it, he will joyfully carry it home. When he gets home, he will call together his friends and neighbors, saying, Oh, everyone, come here, come here. Celebrate with me, because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who returns to God than over 99 others who haven't strayed away. All right, boys and girls, do you realize that Jesus said we're like sheep and that there are some who are lost and he goes and looks for the ones who are lost until he finds them and then he puts them on his shoulders and he brings them home and there's a party and everybody's happy because all the sheep now are found and none of them are lost. And what God wants to do is he wants to find each one of you. He wants to save each one of you. So I hope and pray that there'll be a time when every single one of you 
will receive Jesus as your personal Savior and your shepherd, the one who will take care of you. He loves you so very, very, very much. So let's pray, okay? Father, we ask you to bless these boys and girls and help them. Lord, if they're not saved, that they would come to know Christ as their personal Savior, that they would believe in him in their heart and confess with their mouth that Jesus is their Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I'm going to ask the young kids. Young kids, do me a favor. Miss Pat has something for you to help you to remember about these lost sheep. So little kids, go over there first. On your way to your class, go ahead and pick out something. We have a whole tub of sheep. Some of them are sitting. Some of them are standing. Some of them are walking. And when you see this sheep, I want you to remember that Jesus is looking for you and seeking you because he loves you with all of his heart. All right, boys and girls, older ones, go ahead and get them. After you've got your sheep, go ahead and go to your class. Moms and dads, turn to Psalm 23, a very well-known passage of Scripture. Today we're back to the series on the names of God. Had a little break last week with Mother's Day. The name we'll explore today is from a very well-known text. It's obviously Psalm 23. It comes from one of Judeo-Christianity's favorite passages. The uh, verse says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The NLT says it this way, and I kind of like this. The Lord is my shepherd, I have all I need. And when you have the Lord as your shepherd, you really have all that you need. So we see an introduction to this shepherd psalm first off. This is perhaps King David's most famous and most enduring psalm. It has brought more hope than probably any other psalm. It's comforted more people in times of difficulty. It's dissipated more fears. It's calmed more souls. It's built more faith in the multiplied millions of people through the years who have read it, who have committed it to memory, and who have meditated on it. It's one of the first passages memorized by children. If you went through a confirmation class of some kind, I'm pretty sure you memorized Psalm 23. Uh, and if you, if in Sunday school, probably early on, you studied Psalm 23 verse by verse. Psalm 23 is written on many a tombstone. A lot of funeral memorial service programs will have Psalm 23 because it speaks to the situation of, of losing a loved one and the hope that we have if we're a believer in Jesus Christ. It, Psalm 23 is a song of devotion and worship and praise. David is the author of it, King David, and King David had been a literal shepherd. And so he knew uh, he, he would take his sheep to the lush pasture land. He would bring them beside the still waters, not the rushing torrents of water that threatened the life of the lamb because if, if in fact they got soaked in the water, they would be drowned pretty easily. But he would dam up a portion of a stream and make the still waters where they could come safely refresh themselves. Uh, even though he, he leads us even through the valley of the shadow of death, he vanishes our fears with his very presence, his rod and Staff are evidences of the fact that he provides for us and that he protects us and that he loves us. And he gave his sheep food and water and medicine and goodness and mercy were present in their lives because of the good shepherd. And for us, he has promised goodness and mercy for all of eternity. Now, when David faced Goliath, the giant Goliath, he recited 
And I don't know if he said it out loud or not. I think he did. He kind of said, you know, one time I was watching my father's sheep and a bear came down to try to steal one of the lambs away and I killed the bear. Another time a lion came down trying to kill one of our sheep and I killed the lion. And I don't know why he was reciting that, but maybe it was to make Goliath kind of think twice. What am I getting into here? This guy killed a bear. This guy killed a lion. Uh, maybe it was to give a testimony to the nation of Israel who through their cowardice would not send anyone to fight Goliath in the valley. Maybe it was a testimony to the goodness and graciousness and the provision of Almighty God. In other words, David's saying, I've been in tough situations before. And guess what? God provided for me and God delivered me then and he can deliver me now. Or maybe uh, he just practiced good thinking because the Bible says as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So the things that we think about, the things that we dwell on, the things that we rehearse in our mind uh, are very important. If we major on the negative things, we're going to be a negative person. We're going to be negatively impacted. Now, I'm not talking about just the power of positive thinking, although there's some truth to that. I I'm just talking about uh, here he is saying, I'm going into battle. Now, he could be thinking, uh, some of us would be thinking, oh, no, this guy's going to kill me. He's a giant. I'm just this little guy. Oh, poor me. He wasn't thinking that way at all. He's thinking, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut this guy's head off with his own sword. Uh, I'm going to win the battle. I'm going to win the day. Now, um, regardless of what his reason was for saying this, uh, he was inspired to use the metaphor of Rohi. Now, in, in, in the first verse, the Lord, Jehovah, is my shepherd. That's the name Rohi, R-O-H-I, and it means shepherd. So he uses this metaphor, and he uses it not only in Psalm 23, but, for example, in Psalm 74.1. He talks about us being the sheep of his pasture. In Psalm 77, 20, he says, Israel was like a flock of sheep with Moses and Aaron as their shepherds. In Psalm 78, he says, you led your people like a flock of sheep, guiding them safely through the wilderness. And ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't figured it out, this world is a wilderness. This world is terrifying. If we stop and think about it, there are all kinds of enemies in this world, and, and it's the Lord who promises to lead us safely, guiding us through this wilderness. In Psalm 79, 13, then we, your people, the sheep of your pasture, will thank you forever and ever, praising your greatness from generation to generation. And Psalm 80, verse 1, please listen, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph's descendants like a flock over and over, time and time again. There are dozens and dozens of passages where Jehovah is referred to as Rohi, R-O-H-I, the Lord is my shepherd. And the very word shows the care and provision that God has for his people. Now, some commentators mentioned that probably this psalm was written some years after King David was already king. In other words, he had matured a lot. He'd been through a lot of things. And perhaps he wrote this after the hostility of Saul, where Saul sought to, sought to slay him several times. Uh, Saul was going to put an end to his life, uh, and, and he was jealous of David. Maybe it was written after his liaison with Bathsheba, a very difficult time for him because of uh, his own sin and sinfulness. Maybe it was um, after 
Absalom had rebelled against him and led a rebellion of his people against his own dad and threatened his dad's life. Maybe it was after all the wars with the Philistines and the other enemies of God, the Amalekites and, and others. And, and he could find no better metaphor. Uh, of course, he was inspired by the Holy Spirit to do it, but he found this metaphor of Rohai. The Lord is my Rohai. The Lord is my shepherd. God is the good shepherd. God is the great shepherd. God is good, right, Rosie, all the time. He is right, and he's good all the time. He's not just good when everything's going peachy keen in our world. He's not just good when we have everything we need. He is also good when we're not feeling good. He is also good when we lose our job. He is also good when our family's going through some stress and some difficulties. He's also good when inflation's out of control. He's also good uh, when there's war. He's, all, he's good all the time. It's just the times that aren't so good sometimes. But he is our Rohi. He is our shepherd. Now, what's the meaning and the use of Rohi? The primary meaning is to feed. So a shepherd's primary responsibility and job, uh, and, and there were whole, there's a whole list of them found, found in Psalm 23, obviously, but one of the first things is you got to feed your sheep. You got to feed them. Uh, that, that's necessary. So the primary meaning of rohai is to feed or to lead to a pasture land. That's what a good shepherd does. And the story of Joseph, who is a type of Christ, begins with him uh, looking for his brothers who were tending the flocks, Genesis chapter 37. They were shepherds, and so uh, he went out looking for his brothers. When they moved to Egypt, he told his family, now that he was second in command of all of Egypt through the providence of God, he said, tell them that you're shepherds. And so they let them be in the land of Goshen, which was a rich pasture land, to be able to take care of the flocks. The meaning and the use of rohai is to feed or to lead to good pastures. So David was recognized not only as a literal shepherd, as a young man taking care of his flocks. In fact, when Samuel came to anoint the next king of Israel and all of the sons, Jesse's sons came before him, he said to the oldest of, of the oldest, that's not him. And the next eldest, no, that's not the one. The next one, no, that's not the one. And he went all through him. He said, you have any more kids? He said, I've got another son. He's tending the sheep. Well, bring him in here. And he was the one that God had chosen. So David was not only a literal shepherd for Samuel 17, but he was a shepherd of the people who followed him, 2 Samuel chapter 5 and verse 2. People began to come to David who were hurting, those who were in need, those who were being threatened, those who had no one else and nowhere else to go. He was the shepherd. He was the good shepherd to them. David knew of what he was writing. Later on, it might surprise you to learn that a Gentile was also called Rohi. That Gentile's name was Cyrus, and he would be called a shepherd to God's people. Why? Because he, was, he commissioned the building or the rebuilding of the temple of God. In Isaiah chapter 44 and verse 28, uh, Jehovah also promised the people, that there would be pastors, there would be shepherds who would feed them knowledge and understanding. And he also condemned false prophets and false shepherds and false preachers. For example, in Ezekiel 34, 2, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and said to them, thus saith the Lord God unto the shepherds, woe be to the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves, should not the shepherds feed the flocks. And so there were, there were shepherds in Israel's history who didn't lead them properly, who didn't feed them 
properly, who were in it for their own benefit, for their own gain. Uh, I remember when the prophets all uh, told Ahab, yeah, go ahead, go ahead to battle. God will give the, uh, the victory to you. And they were giving him a false report because they were false prophets. We've got to discern the prophets today. We've got to discern who's telling us the truth. And there's a very easy way of doing that. The truth of God coming from the mouths of God's shepherds needs to reflect the, accurately what comes from the Word of God. There is nothing above the Word of God. There is no edict above the Word of God. There is no church ruling above the Word of God. There is no pope above the Word of God. There is no pastor above the Word of God. I've told you before, if I ever get up here and start preaching something other than salvation by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, plus or minus nothing else, you need to, you need to gently lead me out of the pulpit and, uh, and take me somewhere and lock me up. Uh, it, the Word of God is the Word of God. Preachers can mess up. Popes can mess up. Preachers do mess up. Popes do mess up. Churches mess up. The only one who's ever, uh, who, who's always perfect, rather, is Almighty God. And His Word is given to us. So don't believe the false prophesying of false shepherds. The word rohi is not only translated as shepherd, but it's also translated as companion or friend in Exodus chapter 33 and verse 11. And it talks about not only food, but time and life, and it's a term of intimacy. And so the Lord Jehovah spoke unto Moses face to face as a man speaks unto his rohi, unto his friend. So Moses was able to come into the very presence of God, something that other people were not. You remember when they came to, to the mountain, the people were forbidden to even touch the mountain. Stay away from the mountain. Keep your animals away from the mountain because they will surely die if they come in contact. But Moses spent 40 days in the presence of Almighty God getting the Ten Commandments. He came down, and wouldn't you know it, Israel was having a party. They were having a great time and worshiping a golden calf that, they, that Aaron said, well, you know what? We just we took all this gold and we threw it in the fire and out jumped this calf. You got to watch out for assistant pastors. I'll tell you what, 